All right, who wants to read loop 16? Once the slides stay up. Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria and Galilee. Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten men with skin diseases approached him. Keeping their distance from him, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, show us mercy. When Jesus saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. As they left, they were cleansed. One of them, <laughs> God, with voice, fell on his face at Jesus and thanked him. He was a Sam Samaritan, Jesus replied. Weren't ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Then Jesus said to him, get up and go. Your faith has healed you. Okay. For this story. He gave a request to go show yourselves to the priest. So they were obeying what he said. They were. Skin disease in the Bible is usually translated leprosy. That's often what we think of when we hear skin diseases. It wasn't necessarily, um, but it might've been. And what we do know is that having any skin disease made you unclean in that culture. And so um, what do you know Job. I could not have a normal job. It was outside of the city they couldn't Yeah. Yeah, they had to live in a colony outside of town. They couldn't be with their family. They couldn't be with their community. They were contagious and they were unclean. So they probably lived together in a group outside of town. Um, they could care for one another that way. They could have companionship one that way. Typically, some relative would bring food and put it somewhere at a distance, and they could maybe have some conversation, but um, it wasn't easy. <laughs> and they were, um, and it was often a life sentence. If particular leprosy, I mean, it wasn't curable. And so they would be there for the rest of their lives outside of society and dependent on people to take care of them and bring them what they needed. Um, if you were cured, you could, yes, show yourself to a priest and they would declare you're cured and then you could come back. Um but that they wanted a miracle implies that they knew they could not be. 
Uh, they knew they would spend their their lives away from loved ones and away from human contact and normal community life, and that their lives would probably short be short too. So one day they hear Jesus is coming, which is probably is not a common thing because they're a border town between Israel and Samaria, and Jewish people didn't travel that way. Um, so if you're these guys, what are you thinking, feeling when you hear Jesus is on his way? I guess the base of the story, I think that they were thinking, here's this miracle worker. Now's my chance. Sounds like it. They didn't really have anything to lose. Nope. Why not? <laughs> kind of like being uh, marooned on a desert island. The plane goes by. Hey, 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 hey. You know, <laughs> they're going to see us, but. And the fact that 10 go out, I think, is significant because they were like, oh, he will notice us. There are 10 of us. Whereas one, he might not. And they had to keep their distance. So. They had to be noticed somehow. Because they couldn't walk up to him. What do they seem to know about Jesus? Like he's never been there before. That we know of. Word seems to have spread that he heals. They know he heals. In fact, there's a lot of faith here that he can heal if you think about it, because they leave their colony and they come very close to the entrance of town to, to see him. Somehow they've heard that he is very, very approachable. As they come to him, they make their ask. They ask for compassion. They somehow know that, that asking Jesus for compassion is usually answered. And then... So they have some idea that he is authority and that he is a special position. They might not understand he's the Messiah, but they use this word for commander, teacher, overseer. So they recognize that he has authority and that he's a rabbi. They're coming to someone who is deeply compassionate and who will notice them and can heal them and won't condemn them. So it's really an act of courage and faith. And maybe as you said, desperation, because they have nothing to lose. But if you think that, that they're living in probably a small colony of people who are unclean, they're probably the first thing that stands out to me 
and my slides are backward again. <laughs> there we go. Is that it takes a lot of courage to ask for healing. And we don't think about that very often, but it's true for us too. It takes a lot of courage for us to say, maybe I do need to go to a doctor or maybe I do need Yes, I am muted. Ugh. That is a lot of faith. That is a lot of belief that you can be healed. There's a lot of belief in Jesus. That's maybe, in fact, a lot of desperation. <laughs> Again, what do we have to lose? Well, I mean, if they show up at the priest unhealed, they have a lot to lose. They're in big trouble. Um, but we pray for something and we hope for something and we want healing. And as we're going Much later, but miracles, healing tends to happen as we go about our lives and we're doing other stuff, don't they? And we pray and we pray and and without ceasing and relentlessly, Paul says, but the timing happens when it does. And it might not happen right then when we ask. And we're going about our business, turn around and we say, hey, that thing I've been praying about, it happened. Maybe it happened slowly. Maybe 
I'm not in so much pain anymore. Maybe that person is kinder toward me. Maybe I'm not worried about this thing anymore. And we hadn't noticed, <laughs> but it happened. And those prayers got answered. And there's a time for us to faithfully trust that too. When we turn around after our prayers and we say, okay, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm going to obey and I'm going to go about my life and I'm going to trust and I'm going to believe the answer is coming. And then at some point you realize we need to give thanks because it came and we didn't, we didn't um, see it coming. But it takes a whole lot of trust to keep going when that answer is not clear. And it doesn't come immediately. But these guys do it. They turn around, they say, okay, we're going to do what you said. And then their prayers are answered. And then this one guy turns back and gives thanks to Jesus. And what is Jesus' response? Where's everybody else? Where are the other nine? But like you said earlier, they obeyed him. They did what he said. They went to the priest. And I think, you know, we look at the story a lot and we tend to condemn the other losers doing that. This is less a condom than the other nine. This is a common this one and one but that should be made something and also reminds them that he is a foreigner, one that was not expensed those around him to hear. He's letting them know is pretty special that he did it, that he turned around that he's faith and somebody's capacity to have faith just because we look at them and we say, eh, that's not someone who's really ever going to believe. And that's the way they, they did look at the Samaritans. And so he makes a big deal about the fact that this guy's a Samaritan. You probably didn't think he would be awesome in faith, but he is. And Jesus is happy to tell everybody that, which is, I love to see. I love to see that Jesus makes a big deal out of people because it, it obviously makes him happy. But then it makes me think, do I remember to be grateful? Do I make a big deal when other people do good things? Do I trust God and invite people into community, even though they don't look like maybe they're going to have faith. This week, while I was at Emily and Andrews, the biohazard cleanup team happened to be Ben from Oswego. And man, to look at them, you would not think they belong in a church. <laughs> but you have to get past that and think, but man, what they do every day for a living, they need to be in a church because it's hard and it is painful and they need a community. And so you look at somebody's outside and that doesn't give you a good clue of their inside. 
and we need to remember that too. So looking at this story, oops, I missed that slide. Takes trust to keep going when the answer is not clear. And it takes wisdom to remember gratitude. So the question today is really what part of this story speaks to you and to where you are? Um, and just some questions that that have to do with it. Do we have the courage to ask for healing? Do we faithfully trust God's mercy and answered prayer? Will we keep walking, believing the answer is coming? Do we notice when it's answered? Do we remember to be grateful? Do we make a big deal when others do good things? Do we trust God for others' faith and invite them into the community? I know I've, you know, talking about what part of the story speaks to you today, there are times when I've definitely forgotten to be grateful lately. And, uh, you know, I used to keep that gratitude journal just like I taught all of you. And then it just kind of fell by the wayside during COVID because like every day was the same. <laughs> and I couldn't come up with three things every day. But that was a bad thing to let go. And I need to take it back and I need to pick it up again. What speaks to you? Maybe you just have to watch to notice when things have answered your prayers or find out. Because a lot of times you just start praying and you don't know, ever know when prayers get answered. You know? Yeah. Because sometimes you're praying for other people and you don't know, you know. It's true. You might not see it. Sometimes the things that go away, it's sometimes hard to remember that that's what you were hoping for. Right. And it just doesn't happen anymore. Huh, I wonder when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there have been times when I've followed Jesus' instructions to pray for my enemies. And somewhere along the way, they became not enemies anymore but you don't notice necessarily. <laughs> and then one day it's like, oh, that person nice to me. <laughs> That's the result of prayer. I've been a little bit in awe this week of watching someone who had the courage to say, I need my mommy and my dad and a therapist. <laughs> Yeah. 
I was in awe of my other daughter, by the way, if she's still listening, because she was mm -hmm. a solid rock. <laughs> <laughs> she was a lot on Sunday. The you. answer to her. <laughs> I think that's what a lot of what I take out of this story is that, that it takes guts to say, hey, I need help. And then to trust that it can happen. That there's somebody there that's ready and willing to do that for you. I have a prayer of thanks today that we can pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your health and remember the sick. We thank you for friends and remember the friendless. We thank you for freedom and remember the enslaved. We thank you for food in a world where many walk in hunger. We thank you for faith in a world where many walk in fear. We thank you for friends in a world where many walk alone. Lord, when I have work, help me to remember the jobless. When I have a home, help me to remember those who have no home at all. When I am without pain, help me to remember those who suffer. And remembering, help me to destroy my complacency. Bestir my compassion and be concerned enough to help by word and deed those who cry out for what we take for granted. Amen. And as we speak of healing and gratitude, we go into communion.